0: Last week we began our verse-by-verse series through the book of Ephesians, starting in Ephesians chapter 1. And we talked about what it means to live the blessed life, the blessed life. And we opened up in the first three verses of this chapter and talked about who the author is that's writing to us, who the audience is that he's writing to. We talked about some of the major themes of this letter, and now today we're able to pull from it and learn more about what God is teaching us about the blessed life. I believe God has a word for us today as we continue walking through this letter. If you would be so generous and willing and ready to jump into God's word with me, would you turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 1. We're going to look at verses 3 through 6. And if, we, if you don't got your Bible this morning, we got the cheat sheet for you on the screen. Can I get an amen from somebody? All right, all right. But there's nothing like getting that flip or even a scroll. You can scroll to the Word on your phone. Nothing wrong with that. Um, we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 6. So if you're ready, say ready. Let's jump into this Word this morning. But before we do that, I want us to just pray one more time. I want us to ask God to uh, speak to our, our hearts. He's already spoken to us through worship. Um, and now we transition into another time of worship as we open up God's Word and, and hear him speak to us through his word. So, would you pray with me right now? Father God, we come before you in Jesus' name. And Lord, we thank you for the riches of your word. We thank you for the truths of your word. God, we thank you that, that we're no longer slaves to fear. God, in Christ, we are children of God. So we receive that identity this morning. Maybe you don't Maybe you don't know God as Father. Would you ask Him to reveal Him to you this morning? Would you just pray alongside me right now and say, God, open my heart. Open my heart, open my eyes to see you as Father. I just don't want to see you as a concept. I don't want to just see you as somebody in heaven somewhere. I want to see you as God, my Father. I don't want to just see Jesus as somebody who died on the cross this morning. I want to see... The Lord and Savior, risen, powerful, adopting us into his family. God, help us to see you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So the author of Ephesians writes to us, his name was, last week we talked about it. Who's writing to us here? Paul. That's right. If you missed last week, it's up on the website, walkchurch.com, and you can be refreshed on the intro of this letter. But this morning, we're going to jump back in and we're going to pick it up right where we left off at verse 3. He says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through jesus christ according to the purpose of his will to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved amen amen let me ask you a a, a quick question does anybody um have a favorite type of steak that they love to eat anybody what's your favorite steak give me one somebody new york steak ribeye steak give me one more Porterhouse, I like it. I was waiting for somebody to say my favorite steak. My favorite steak is the filet. Come on, anybody? Filet mignon. Filet mignon. All right? The filet. And here's how I always tell if it's, like a, if it's really like a super good filet. If you can just take that knife and just slice right through it. You know, anybody, can anybody feel what I'm saying here? What does this have to do with God's word this morning? Um, he, here's what this, this has to do with God's word. I believe that as we approach Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 through 6, we are not getting ready to eat on a McDonald's hamburger. Um, This is not just any quality of meat right here. This is a filet mignon porterhouse of four verses of Scripture right here. All scripture's strong. I'm just going to go ahead and just attest to that. I just feel like there's some portions, though, that just... Are, 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 are just so juicy and, and sweet and fresh and strong and powerful. And as I've been studying these four verses, just four verses, that we need to chop this filet mignon of steak up into pieces, all right? If we really want to enjoy it and really want to be edified by it, we must chop it up and eat from it this morning. So you guys ready to eat? If you're ready to eat, let's say, let's eat. Let's eat, let's eat from God's Word, this quality portion of Scripture, Last week, we we identified verse 3, as we can pull up verse 3. Paul writes, as in the introductory moments of this letter, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Here's why this is important for us this morning. Because if we really want to identify what the blessed life is, we need to hear it from the blessed one himself. And in just one verse, we see this word blessed three times on display for us. As Paul writes, he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ. This word in Christ we've highlighted here because it's a very important piece to the puzzle that we see in Ephesians 1. It's very important to the Christian life. It's not just important, it's everything in the Christian life. This is vital for us to understand. If we're really going to understand the blessed life. We need need to understand what this phrase in Christ means. Last week, I gave us a defining statement for us to hold on to um, as some handlebars as we journey through this series. The defining statement I said is the blessed life is knowing the blessed father and understanding all of the blessings that we have in him. Here's why this is going to be a working defining statement for us because as we journey through Ephesians chapter 1 he's going to begin to unfold for us all the blessings that we have in him and here's the key we need to understand them. Here's why it's important for us to understand the blessings that we have in Christ because if you don't understand all the blessings that you and I have in Christ you'll begin to look for those things in other places. If you're not saturated with understanding who you are in God's eyes, you'll look for something from man's eyes. Or you'll start to look for affirmation from other places or other means or other devices when God says, no, 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 the blessed life is understanding who you are in me. In Christ. That's why that phrase, in Christ, is so crucial. Let me give you a quick statement from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones. He says it like this. He says, If you leave out the in Christ, you will never have any blessings at all. Every blessing we enjoy as Christian people come to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. We must understand this powerful two-word sentence, in Christ. It is littered all throughout the Bible. It is on display for us heavily in the book of Ephesians. You'll find these two words, in Christ, 15 times in the letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesian church. And the letter that Paul wrote to the Ephesian church is for us today too. Many scholars believe that this was a letter that Paul wrote to the local churches in his area, in the churches that he had planted. And then each church, what they would do is that they would take this letter and that they would place their city in the letter. So many believe that this, this church, that this letter would made it to the church in Ephesus, and they wrote, "This is the letter to Ephesus." Or when this letter made it to Colossae, they would say, "This is the letter to the Colossae." If you notice, the thing that's unique about the Ephesian letter is that it never specifies to the Ephesians except for in the opening verses. Here's why I say that's important for us, because this is a letter for the church. So let us go ahead and let's go ahead and join with the church, and let's say to the saints that Walk Church this morning, God has a letter for us. It'd be wise of us to open it and read it. Amen? Here's here's how it starts today. Blessed be the God and Father. And we want to bless his name first. And that's what we started out by doing in this time of worship. We've just been worshiping his name, worshiping the Lord. We've been blessing God. The Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. I praise God that he's blessed us with every spiritual blessing. In the heavenly places. And now what we're going to get ready to do is ask a very important question that takes us a step further. Here's the question. What are these spiritual blessings that he's blessed us with? If we really want to understand the blessed life, we need to understand what are the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places that he's blessed us with? Because you could be thinking spiritual blessings as something that maybe they're not. See, I I mentioned this last week, 46 million people have posted about blessed. I'm blessed. But I want to be careful to say, hey, are we going to let that define what blessing is? Or are we going to let God's word define what blessing is? We start out in verse 4. Verse 4, he says, even, and here's why he says even, because he goes, I want you guys to know now what the blessings are. And we're going to cover a few this morning, but we're going to cover a lot more on this journey through Ephesians. He says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. Let me give you guys the first blessing that we have in Christ. All right, this is an important one. The first blessing is to be chosen. The first blessing that we have in Christ is that God looked upon sinful people like you and I and said, you know what? I choose you. Chosen in him. Chapter 1 verse 4, the first part says, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. This is a huge, huge doctrinal importance for us to understand today in the life of being a Christian. I'll tell you what, I'm still kind of being reminded of this. I was actually been playing in a basketball league this summer and it's, it's for a bunch of guys that are either professionals or college. And they invited me to still play. And I was at the gym this past week. And they were like, hey, Hyden, man, glad that you're here. Glad that you're playing. And I said, man, I'm just thankful to be chosen to be able to still play. I might not be the guy I once was, but just to be chosen is a big deal. I'm just thankful to be here. And I'm reminded that, you know what, to be chosen is a big deal. Just to be invited. Right? No, nobody wants to be, like, excluded but, but to be chosen is a huge word that we want to focus on just for a moment in Ephesians chapter 1. The biblical idea that this refers to is often known as the doctrine of election. This is a powerful statement It can also be controversial. It can also be uh, weighed in different ways and interpreted in a variety of different ways. I just want to give us a little bit of commentary and reflection on what it means to be chosen. Or in other words, what it means to be elected by God. Election oftentimes is referred to as a political word, right? I think it's lost its context because it's really a biblical word. To be chosen, to be elected means that God locked in on you and said, you know, I, I choose you. And think about this for a second because I want to clear something up. And this might sting a little bit, all right, church? I'll ask for forgiveness later, okay? But, but here's the reality. You and I are not people worthy to be chosen by God. Like, there is no reason why God should look at the bunch, whoever's in the bunch, and say, you know what? I'm going to elect Hyden out of the crowd. The realities of the scriptures teach us that we... Are sinful. That means separated from God. We are wicked. We're evil people. We are not desirable people. We are not the most uh, awesome, although you may think you may be. You, you might think like, hey, I'm the most awesome person today. Like everybody should probably worship me or praise me or like me because check me out. It's all about me at the end of the day. And the reality is it's It's not. We've totally blown it. We're, we're messed up. Romans chapter three says, none of us desire God. None of us would choose God. Romans three tells us that if God was right in front of you and you had sin right next to him, you a hundred percent of the time would choose sin over him. One hundred percent of the time you would say, I'm going to choose sin. Unless he were to choose you first. Unless he were to say, you know what? I love you so much that I want you. That the God of the heavens would say, I would elect you to be part of my family. That I would choose you to to save, to adopt, to add to my team. Like, why would God give you a jersey and say, I'm I'm putting you in the game. I want you on my team. I know for me, let me just give you guys my personal story. Growing up here in the city of Las Vegas, not necessarily having a Christian background in the sense where I was going to church week in and week out. I was reading my Bible. That just isn't my testimony. I got to college as an idolater. I was playing the game of basketball, and that was the God of my life, lowercase g, and here I am on the college campus pursuing my own journey, pursuing my own life, pursuing my own testimony, pursuing my own passions. Like I said, God was number 11 on my top 10 list. Like he's out there somewhere. And sure, I believe in him. Sure, one day I want to go to heaven, but I don't care anything about who he is. Or If you would have asked me what the blessed life was, I would have given you an answer like the 46 million people. I said, I'm living the blessed life. And I talked all about me. But what happened is, I believe that God, during this season of my life, began to ferociously pursue me in ways that I couldn't deny. Like I said, I wasn't like, you know what, I'm going to college to find Jesus. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go there, and you know what? I'm going to find him. He's there somewhere. I wasn't thinking about that. But I I have to... Attest to you guys today that God was thinking about that with me. I don't know why. Except because he loved me. And God met me there on the campus. And he said, hey, I'm getting your attention, buddy there was a man named Joe Dizelle who began to share the gospel with me through the ministry of fellowship Christian athletes. He began to walk with me and be patient with me. And I began to get the Bible and open it up for myself. And God began to speak to me through his word and say, Hayden, I'm calling you. I'm choosing you. I'm calling you to be mine. It didn't have anything to do with church planning or pastoring. It just was mine. He said, I'm just calling you to be mine. And I'll be honest with you, church. I wrestled with that. Because I wrestled with the cost of that. What are people going to think about me? What are people going to say about me? What am I going to have to give up? What am I going to have to say no to? To say yes to this calling. And I wrestled with that and God was patient with me. And God still pursued me. And God still walked with me. But his calling didn't change. His choice didn't change. And then one day I surrendered my life to him. And I said, Jesus, I'm going all in. I don't know what tomorrow looks like. I don't know what next year looks like. I don't even know what today looks like. I don't know how I'm going to do this. I just am putting my yes on the table and saying, God, I, I surrender to your will. I surrender to your team. And I'm, and I'm going I'm to allow you to choose me. I'm going to follow you. The doctrine of election is a beautiful doctrine because It's actually the the good news for us that God would choose somebody like you. If you're a Christian today, it's not because you did something. It's because he did something. If you say, you know what, I believe in Jesus. It's because he chose you and because you responded to his choosing. That's a good news message. It's not a concept that someone just made up. It's a doctrine that's relayed through the Scripture. I love how John Stott says it. He says it so eloquently. He says the doctrine of election is a divine revelation, not a human speculation. It's not somebody who, something that somebody just made up, you know what, God's choosing people. No. It's something that is on display through the Scripture. Charles Spurgeon says it like this. He says, Whatever may be said about the doctrine of election... It is written in the word of God as with an iron pen. There's no getting rid of it. The reality that that you and I couldn't choose God because we wouldn't choose God. We would choose everything but God. And you know why that's true? Because it's true today, isn't it? We see a watching world around us increasingly turning to the world for satisfaction, turning to sin for blessing, turning to the ways of the flesh for satisfaction. And God saying, hey, I'm right here. Why would you not choose me? I created you. And yet, how often do we choose the creation over the creator? We choose the little C over the big C. But yet the doctrine of election tells us that God chooses Those whom he loves to save and not just save, but invite into his family. This truth is all throughout scripture. We see it in John chapter six, verse 44. Jesus says this to the disciples. He says, no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him and I will raise him up on the last day. We see this later in the gospel of John, verse chapter 15, verse 16. He says, you did not choose me. I chose you. Like the disciples were walking around like, where's the Messiah? I want to follow him. Jesus walked up to these lazy fishermen and said, I got a calling on your life. It's bigger than you could ever imagine. It has more joy than you ever dreamed. And you got purpose that will go beyond fishing in the temporary, fishing in the eternal. And Peter said, I want that. Thank you for choosing me. And you guys know Peter was no, right? He, he, He was not the perfect disciple, was he? We could all relate to Peter in some way. And same with the gospel writer John here. He says, hey, Jesus says, you did not choose me. I chose you and I appointed you. That you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. So that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. We see this later in the epistles as the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica. He says, we ought to always give thanks to God for you. Second Thessalonians 2. Brothers, beloved by the Lord, because God chose you as the first fruits to be saved through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth. First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 4 through 5. He said, We know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in Holy Spirit and with full conviction. Maybe if you hear the gospel and you began to be convicted and your sin becomes real to you and your state before God as somebody who's destined for eternal hell becomes real to you and l- unless unless you would turn to this loving father and receive his grace and become his child and follow Jesus as your lord and savior then your testimony changes and your story is made new because to be chosen by God is such a beautiful thing amen what a gift From the Lord, he 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 writes to the Thessalonians. He said, "Hey, my gospel came to you with power, in full conviction." God is saying, "I'm, "I'm choosing these brothers and sisters and believers to invite into my family." We see this in the Gospel of John. We see this in the writings of the Apostle Paul, but also brothers and sisters, we see this in the Book of Ephesians, don't we? We see this in Chapter One, Verse Four. As we look at these, these words, he says, even as I chose us, even as he chose us in him, before the foundation of the world. That's staggering in itself, amen? Here's how you know that you didn't choose God. Because he chose you before you were even born. Sorry, he chose you before the world was born. Like, that's how sovereign and good our father is, is that he locked in on you and he said, you know what? That person's going to have a lot of sin in their lives. They're going to struggle, whether from age six or maybe at age 60. God says, at some point, I'm going to choose you and you're going to be mine. He didn't have to choose anybody, did he? Like, when God caused the flood to happen in Genesis chapter five, that wasn't his fault. He was righteous in doing so, church. Like, if you read up to that point, you'll see people who were sinful. Genesis 5 tells us that every thought of the mind was sinful, every desire of the heart was sinful. And God said, This is not what I called and created when I made creation. And so, God caused the flood as His divine appointed wrath for those people because of their sin. And then, God says, After that, He says, I'm not going to do that again. I'm going to do something different. Even if people get sinful. I'm not going to do that again. What I'm going to do is I'm going to choose people. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm not just going to send a flood. No, I'm going to send my son. And my son will pay for their flood. My son will pay for their sin. My son will pay for their death. My son will pay for them in order for them to be adopted into my family. That's why this, Amen. I we've got a clapper. I'll clap with you. Why? I'll clap with you. Why? Um, he says, even as he chose us in him, don't, Don't miss the in Christ, right? That we're chosen not because of our good deeds, not because of our merits, but in Him. We we are chosen in Christ before the foundation of the whole entire world. This is amazing. Commentator R. Kent Hughes says it like this He says, A God who chose you before time, when only He existed, will not leave you victim to the time and tides of life. Amen? Maybe you'd be thinking, you know what? Is God going to leave me? I I failed him one too many times. Is he going to let me go? Is he going to stop working in my life? Is he going to just let me drown? God, are you real? And God is saying to you this morning, hear this as a prophetic word from God. He's saying to you this morning, I chose you. Like, I, I chose you. Before you were even born, you don't surprise me. Like your sin is not surprising to God. Your mess-ups are not like wowing God where he's like, oh, I chose the wrong person. Good night. I got to do something now. I got to cut him from the team. That's that's worldly thinking. The God who chose you before the foundations of the world, when only he existed, he is not going to leave you victim to the waves and tides in this life. Again, this life is a temporary life. This life is a speck. This life is, is a mist. When it's cold outside and you breathe and you know, you've know, got the mist that comes out. It doesn't happen much in Las Vegas. But on the really, really cold day in December in Las Vegas, right? And you're like, ooh, it's really cold because I can see it when I breathe. But then it just goes away. God says, that's how long your life is. I mean, what is your life? The, the, the writer James says. He says, what is your life? It's just, a, it's just a snap of the finger in the eyes of eternity. So what are you going to do with it? It's people and men and women of God who are chosen by the Father himself. R. Kent Hughes continues, he says, It is not by accident that as Paul begins his overture of blessing, he opens with celebrating the blessing of being chosen. Paul could not get over it, and neither should we. It's important, church, to understand this truth because there's so many people looking for affirmation and looking to be chosen and looking to be celebrated from the world. Amen? Like I just want somebody to know me. I just want somebody to like my photo. I just want somebody to like, congratulate me. I just want somebody to choose me. I just want to be in a relationship. And we look for all these different things and God's saying, I know, but I chose you. Am I not good enough? Is my love for you, is somebody going to like top my love? Like even the person that may be your spouse today, they didn't choose you before they were born. God did. That's love that you may not even understand and grasp. I don't even understand and grasp it. David, the king in the wrote in the Psalms, he says, your love goes beyond my mind can even consist. We we can't even fathom the love of God, that he would choose us. And honestly, you will never understand it if you don't understand how bad you really are. Like how unworthy you are to be chosen by God. Yet he locks in on you and says, I I choose you. Even before we knew him. But but choosing from God leads to a specific purpose. Purpose. I want to talk about that for a second as we pull back up verse 4. Um, just so we don't get totally away from it, uh, that he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that should lead to something. It's another big word. It's called sanctification. Sanctification. And in other words, it's the life of Christ being pressed through his people. Sanctification is all about Jesus living his life through us. Now, if anybody lived the holy life, who was it? Jesus. If anybody lived a blameless life, literally, it's Jesus. And so as God has chosen us in Christ, we should begin to start looking more like him. Our lives should begin to look more like Jesus, where somebody should come up to you and say, you know what, Peter, you look more like Jesus than you did last year. You must must be growing closer to him. They'll say, you know what, Ryan, something about you is that you look more like Jesus of the Bible than of this world. When we're chosen into his family, we begin to live by his rules. When, when all of a sudden you are now adopted into the house of God, you begin to look more like Jesus. He's what, he says it here. That we should be holy and blameless before him. Holiness is another word for being set apart. Blameless, really, it, it, it's a word that was used for offerings in the Old Testament. They wanted to get an animal to present it as a sacrifice to the Lord. But not just any animal. They wanted to get an animal that was blameless. They wanted their worship to the Lord to be blameless. They wanted their worship to be the most spotless, beautiful worship that they could give to God. And we do that with our lives, don't we? That God has chosen us to be in his family. He has chosen us. For salvation, he has chosen us in Christ that we should be holy and blameless before him. And we know it's not our holiness or our good deeds as if we could earn it. You guys, we couldn't earn it, right? We didn't choose him, he chose us. We couldn't earn it with our good deeds, but we can have Jesus who has earned it for us because he's the holy and blameless one. We are in him. I love this phrase right here. I can't get enough of being in him. Because the moment I get outside of him, I'm lost. The moment I get outside of him, all of a sudden I have to perform. If I get outside of Jesus, then good luck, right? And luck can't save me. Like, I don't need luck. I need a savior. Like, I don't want to stand before God today and hope I get lucky. It's not going to happen. I don't want to stand before God today and start pulling out my credentials like, God, I did this. I did that. My good deeds got to outweigh my bad, right? Wrong. The scripture is very clear that your good deeds will send you to hell. Jesus will send you to heaven. That's why we need to be in him, chosen in him. And as Jesus begins to work his life through us, we begin to look more holy, begin to look more blameless, so that our identity and posture before God is Christ. And God looks at you and he doesn't see you anymore. You're hidden. He sees his son. Like I get to be a little Christ. Amen? Like we're a... For those who are believers in here today, we're a bunch of little Christs. Because we're all covered by him. And I'm so thankful that God doesn't look down and see me, but he sees his son covering me. That's the good news of the gospel. And that's the identity that we have to preach to ourselves. If you get away from that, you will look for approval from the world and you will always be discouraged. As an athlete, you'll look for approval in your stats and you'll never have enough. If you're you're in a relationship, you'll always look for approval from a person and you'll never get enough. But if you can find it in him, you are already enough. He chose you. He's, He's called you enough. He wouldn't have adopted you. He wouldn't have called you. He wouldn't have chosen you if that wasn't true. So the first blessing that we get is to be chosen. And that is good news, amen? The second blessing is to be adopted. The second blessing that we have in Christ is adoption. And there there, there may be a reality that we don't totally understand this, But it is true for us today. Let's look at verse 5. As Paul continues to write to the Ephesian church, he begins to pastor this church with this good news. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 5, he says it like this. If it's not up there, I got it for you here. You can turn with me in your word. It says, In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. This is great news for us today right here. The fact that God would say, you know what? I'm not just choosing you. Because that would be cool to be chosen by God, amen? But, but let's go deeper, right? Chosen for what? Like, is, is it just chosen to be on Team Jesus? That's cool to represent Jesus and be on his team. But isn't it a whole other level if he says, I've chosen you to be in my family? Like live in my house? Enjoy everything that's mine? To be adopted into God's family is a whole new level of grace. Like it's grace in itself to be chosen by God. But it's like a new wave. Like you just got hit with that wave and you're like, whoa, I'm drowning in the fact that I'm chosen. And then a whole another one comes up, and chosen to be my son or my daughter. Wow. Chosen in him. And, and, and what. What compels God to choose? What compels God to adopt? It's His love, amen? In love, He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of His will. Isn't it awesome that God included you in His will? Has anybody ever written out a will? It's probably a good idea. You never know when your last day may be. God did that too. Like, God's the one who started writing out wills. It amazes me he included me in it. <laughs> like, God was writing out his will, and he's like, you know what? Let's put Dean McQuillan in the will. Let's put Dorlisa McQuillan in the will. Let's put, other, let, let, let's put, let's put the saints in, in my will. I want them to be a part of my family. I want them to receive all the blessings that I have bought for them. I want them to inherit Have you ever thought about your inheritance in Christ? The defining reality that I've been talking about is is very real. It's to know the Father and to understand all the inheritance that you have. What good is it if you don't know it? Like what good is it if you don't know that you're adopted into God's family? And that is your inheritance today. And it's it's His love that predestined us for adoption. And let me just say a disclaimer. I don't want you to be scared of the word predestination. I know it's kind of like a a taboo word in Christianity. It could be a little bit frightening or it could be a little confusing even. I don't fully understand it. I don't need to fully understand it. There's a lot of scriptures in the scripture that I'm like, you know what, I don't fully understand that. It's not my job to fully understand it. It's my job to trust God and His word. I'll tell you something really quick, just a brief story. I remember when I was serving on a a, a church staff uh, previously and... um, it happened that there was a conflict uh, regarding theology, and I was brought into an office, and two men said, now, Hayden, it seems by what you believe that you believe in predestination. And here's what I did. Church, I just turned to Ephesians 1, 4, and 5, and I just read it out loud. I said, that's the only reason why I believe it is because it's there. And, and the one gentleman said, oh, man, it's in there. <laughs> I was like, sorry, guys, I'm leaving. <laughs> right? Don't be scared of this. Right. Predestination just means that God knows what he's doing. Yes. That, that, this is good news for us. That means that God, he knew what he was doing even before you knew what you were doing. He knew that he, he knew what he was choosing. God's not, he's not a God of confusion. He's not like a God of wavering. Should I do it? Should I not do it? I, he knows what he's doing. And, he, and he's chosen people to be adopted into his family. How did he do it? Well, it was in love that he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons and daughters through Jesus Christ. We make our way into the kingdom of God through Jesus. John 14, 6 is a powerful verse. Could be a good memory verse for you. It says, right, simply put, that no one comes to the Father. Notice the language. It doesn't say no one comes to God. No one comes to the Father. You can't just just jump into the family like, like some random person comes to, to your house today and is like, what's up, dad? And you're like, whoa, I don't know you. Like, why are you eating my food? Get out of my fridge. Like, whoa, what's going on here? Like, no one just goes into heaven unless they go through Jesus Christ. In love, he predestined us before the time even started. God said, I'm, I'm predestining. I'm going to make, sure that this is going to be their destiny, that they're going to, They're going to enter into my family one day and they're going to have all the blessings that Jesus has. Wow. I get all those blessings. That's the blessed life. When you understand everything that you have in Christ, you won't need anything else from anywhere else. When you, when you, when you soak that up, when you like sit in that and you rest in that and you're like, yo, I got all that. Nothing more is needed. I get that. He predestined us for adoption to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, for the praise of His glorious grace. I love how John MacArthur says it as he talks about this idea of predestination and this idea of just God being sovereign. He says, Within God's master plan of salvation is every believer who has or will ever trust in God and be saved. As it is sometimes expressed History is simply the outworking of his story, which has already been planned and pre-written in eternity. God has written his story. He knows what he is doing. It's in his master plan. And if you're included in it today, God says, you know what? I've chosen you to be mine. Chosen you to be adopted. Chosen you to be a family member. That's good news, church. And here's the reality. That while this is just for the chosen saints in Christ, we don't know who else is out there that needs to be invited into the family. Amen? So why would you not be like a Joe DiZell in my life and share the gospel with somebody in your family? Share the gospel with somebody in your class. Share the gospel with somebody on your team. And just say, hey, I want you to be chosen by God. Would you just believe this message? And, and see if the gospel hits that person in power and conviction. And see if they respond to the gospel. And you'll be like, yeah, that person is chosen by God. And they get adopted into the family of God. And it no longer is even about you. It's about God. We get the chance to introduce people to the Savior, to the Father. There are so many spiritual orphans in our city. Did you know that? and literally physically that's true as well right this 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 message could be applied to the practical side of things as well i pray that somebody goes and adopts somebody really and then shares the gospel with the person that they adopted a double adoption i love to see that happen i love, maybe i just confirmed that maybe even praying about that that's a biblical concept god's the, the first one to do adoption Even before you were born, God adopted you into his will. D.L. Moody says it like this, the great revivalist who was a ferocious evangelist. He loved people. He shared the gospel with people. And he said it like this. D.L. Moody, he he put it, um, he said, if I am adopted, I have become a child. God is no longer my judge, but my father. Right? Maybe you could take a picture of that or something. Maybe you can write that down in your bulletin. Because there's going to be a day where you need to pull upon this. Where you just don't really feel like God is there. You need to be reminded that he's your father. Maybe you think, you know what, hey, God's my judge. That's how, that's how I see him. He's up there in heaven. He's got his, you know, his, what's that called? Gavel. <laughs> you see God up there. He's just some cranky God with his gavel. You are missing it. You're missing the fact that in love he predestined you and called you his son. And that if you're adopted into his family, you're no no longer just called, but you're a child. A child of the Father. These uh, verses finish up, and we'll have the worship team come up now um, as we get prepared to close. These verses finish up in in verse 6 by saying to the praise of his glorious grace. With which he has blessed us in the beloved. What should all this lead us to, church? I believe that it should lead us to a lifestyle of praise. Praise is not something that you should just do on Sunday, praise is what you should live. Your life should be a life of praise, your walk should be a walk of praise. He says, All this adoption and choosing is to the praise of whose grace? Come on, church, whose grace? His grace. It's not just grace, but isn't it glorious grace? Right? God says that, that this outworking of adoption and this outworking of election and this outworking of choosing sinful people like you and I should lead us to holiness. It should lead us to living a blameless lifestyle. It doesn't mean it's going to lead us to perfection, but it should lead us to looking more like Jesus. And ultimately, it should lead us to the praise of His grace where we we live lives and says someone says oh man great job brandon and you say man praise god because it's him it's his grace it's his glory amen you know what's so cheap is when we take the glory for ourselves it's so unfulfilling when we say yeah my glory i want the credit i want the praise that'll never leave you with joy but when god is most glorified Through your life, I promise you, as John Piper says it, you'll be most satisfied in him. As God gets the glory from your life, from your sport, from your achievements. Maybe you're a teacher and some some kid is better because you're their teacher. And God is glorified because of that. You'll be joyful because of that. How much glory can you bring to the Father? Like you can show up and say, Father, I brought you a whole bunch of glory today. I don't want it. I don't want it. I'm satisfied with you getting it. I shouldn't even be adopted into your family, to be honest. He chose you. He adopted you to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us, amen, in the beloved. Let me pull up that defining reality, the first one, one more time. The blessed life... Is knowing the blessed Father. I might even change that, you guys. I might change that on the spot. The blessed life is knowing God as Father, right? It's not just knowing Him, but it's if you only get these two. You'll good. You'll be all right. But praise God, there's many more. This will give you reason to come back next week. Learn about some more blessings that you have in the bag like when you become a christian oh man it's like the prodigal son story he has a coat for you he's got shoes for you he's got he's got life for you two of the things that you get is adoption and he says i choose you i love you so much i'll choose you wow i never i'm god don't ever let me get away from that